This is the Sex and Psychology Podcast, and it's the sex ed you never got in school and won't get anywhere else. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. There's a lot of research out there on the subject of anal sex. However, most of it is limited in scope. For example, most of it focuses strictly on penile anal penetration, men who have sex with men, and the STD risks associated with this activity. As a result, we don't know as much from a scientific standpoint about different forms that anal stimulation might take, what women's experiences with it are like, and factors associated with anal pleasure and satisfaction. So I was really intrigued when I recently stumbled onto a study, a nationally representative study in fact, that focused on women and anal touch. We're going to probe the results of that study today. Specifically, we're going to explore how many women have explored anal stimulation, their preferred forms of anal touch, the do's and don'ts for experiencing anal pleasure, and so much more. I am joined once again by Dr. Devin Hensel, an associate professor of research at Indiana University School of Medicine, who has led several national and international sexual health studies. Devin has expertise in studying sexuality across the lifespan, sexual pleasure, sexual and romantic relationships, as well as solo and partnered sexual behaviors. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. The Kinsey Institute discussion series highlights current sex and sexuality research from a wide array of disciplines. Speakers include Kinsey Institute faculty, visiting scholars, affiliates of the Institute, and invited researchers. Lectures are both in-person and live-streamed. Follow at Kinsey Institute on the socials for more information or view recordings of past lectures at vimeo.com slash Kinsey Institute. That's vimeo.com slash Kinsey Institute. Okay, Devin, you recently published a paper that used the nationally representative U.S. sample of adult women to look at women's experiences with anal touch and stimulation. There have, of course, been numerous studies done on anal sex over the years, but yours is different and it adds something important to the literature. So tell us about some of the limitations of previous studies looking at women's experiences with anal stimulation and what you sought to add to our knowledge here. The predominant theme in anally focused behavior studies or experience studies, scientific studies, is the idea that anal sex involves either a sex toy or a penis going into the anus. So this pretty narrow focus on penetration rather than experience with the other surrounding structure and tissue around the anus, both including inside, but also including outside. So the perianal area is densely packed with all of these nerve endings. And even something as simple as a gentle and light touch can be pleasurable unto itself or can enhance the pleasure that a person's experiencing in combination with other types of behaviors. And so our our goal here is to understand those other types of things. How do women and or their partners use different approaches, either simply outside the anus or just inside the anus as a means of enhancing sexual pleasure during their sexual encounters. Yeah. And I think another reason why your work is important is that so much of the literature on anal sex focuses on men who have sex with men. And we know that that's a common behavior in the 
metamorph sex with men community, but it's also very common among heterosexuals, right? And it seems to be increasingly common, but we don't know as much about it. And I think in part because like in our previous conversation about squirting, you know, anal sex has long been a taboo. And so it's been one of those things that I think we haven't researched enough because of that. And then when you add in women's anal sex, like we've really been missing out on a lot of data just because people haven't been asking the right questions so far. And also, you know, it's hard to get funding to study these kind of taboo topics, right? So I, I appreciate you doing work in this area, studying all these things that it's just really hard to get funding to be able to do those kind of studies in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to your point, what we quote know, even in science, what we know is, again, as you said, sort of based in studies that focus on men who have sex with men and then sort of the competing body of knowledge, if you will, is sort of the the STI and disease avenue, right? So behaviorally, here's this group men who have sex with men, this is their thing, right? But then, you know, here's this other group where we're talking sort of more narrowly about the bad things that can happen to you when you do participate. From that perspective, I think you add then this layer of sort of the the anus, the butt being this sort of like taboo space, the, you know, this is an out hole only, no danger, danger, do not go. And it really sort of shortchanges the idea that this area in the body can be an erogenous surface, just like any other body surface can be, right? And and really, when you get down to it, that's really what this is. It's skin and tissue and nerves, the same way that a person's nipple is skin and tissue and nerves, the same way that the inside of an elbow or the inside of an ankle or a thigh, right? We don't have problems talking about ankles and thighs and nipples. Well, maybe some people have trouble talking <laughs> about nipples, but, you know, to the point that... If someone said, yeah, I got really turned on last night when my partner started kissing the inside of my thigh, I'd be like, yes, I, that totally gets me going too. But if you said, yeah, last night I really got going when my partner put uh, his finger up to or her finger up to a knuckle inside my anus, the, the response socially would be very different. That's largely because we just don't have any good science that sort of documents how do people do this and what do they enjoy about it when they do it? Yeah. And it's so true about how much of the literature that's out there looking at anal stimulation only takes a disease based lens or looks at it in ways where this is a, a risky behavior and here's all the bad things that can happen. So I appreciate that your work looks at what are the positive sides of this. So before we get into some of the different types of anal touch that you explored. Let me first ask, how many women have ever engaged in any form of anal stimulation before? What did you find with regard to how common this behavior is just at a general level? Yes, we find, and depending on the technique, anywhere between about a third to half of women in their lifetime have engaged in some type of anal stimulation or anal touch. And certainly a caveat with our study is that we couldn't exhaustively ask all of the different types of touch and penetration. So what I'm talking about will be limited to what we were able to measure, but the the prevalence of those behaviors lines up with a lot of other types of behaviors that we know. And, and that's an important thing for people to know because it means they're not out of line, right, or out of the norm. And I think when you think about people's participation in, in taboo or 
unsanctioned behaviors, there can be a sense of shame or a sense of, gosh, I really shouldn't like this, but I do. And is that a problem? And does that make me a weirdo? And I think to see that this is a behavior that happens with similar frequency to many other sexual behaviors that we know as shown in other nationally representative studies is important. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a behavior that seems to be common among women, but women might practice it in a variety of ways. So in your study, you explored three different kinds of anal touch. Now, as you just mentioned, there might be more than that, right? Because you can't always ask all of the questions that you might want to ask because there are so many different ways to engage in any form of sexual stimulation. But let's go through the ones you asked one by one. So we'll start with the term anal surfacing. That is probably a new term to a lot of people. So tell us, what does it mean and what are some of the different forms it can take? Yeah, and so the idea of surfacing, we did want to come up with language that was first accessible to people because we know that the way that people talk about things often then predicts how they're going to feel about them. And so a little bit earlier when I was talking about thinking about the perianal area as just another erogenous surface, that's a nod to some of the terminology that we're using here. Rather than thinking about the anus as a whole, thinking about it as a surface that has all of these potential nerve endings can maybe help reorient people to see this in a a little bit more positive or more accessible way. So for us, surfacing was defined for people as touch on the outside of the anus and, and whatever that looked like. So again, all of the tissue that's sort of outside the anus And so we asked, well, how did you do this? And so um, 40.3%, so four in 10 of the women that had ever used anal surfacing found it pleasurable. Again, so there's a stat that helps normalize some of the ways that people are experiencing these. Most of the time, our sample reported having a partner's finger do the the surfacing or the sort of gentle and touch outside the anus. About a third of participants reported a penis taking doing that role and fewer, but still one in five participants reported their own finger was the one doing this. And so I'd also like to note people could choose more than one option. So this is not just a like, I only did this one thing, right? So it, it could be for some people, it's my partner's finger and then it's my finger or it's a partner's penis and then their finger or then my finger, right? And so people do this in a, a lot of different ways, sort of focusing on touch that happens outside the anus. Yep. So when we're talking about anal surfacing, we're talking about exterior stimulation. Now, next, we have anal penetration, which seems fairly obvious, but you focus on a specific form of penetration called anal shallowing. So what do you mean by that term? So shallowing is, as it sounds, just sort of right inside the anus. So again, so we're talking about interior, but a very small depth of entry, Right. And even that point itself really is an unknown in the literature. Right. When we say penetration, we assume it's all in. Right. But as we found, a lot of people report enjoying just a little bit of stimulation. So, again, very, very slight, just slightly shallow, just on the inside. Roughly four in 10 of our participants liked this approach, liked the the shallowing approach to stimulation. And again, we found roughly a quarter of participants did so using their partner's finger or penis, right? 
And here's a wild idea. A penis can go slightly into an anus, but not necessarily have the depth of penetration. And then I think it's worth mentioning that because of this idea we have that women's anal sex involves a penis going all the way in as deeply as possible into an anus. And in fact, we know that's not the case now. And fewer women, so just like uh, surfacing, fewer women use their own finger to do the shallowing. But again, it's not zero. So anal shallowing is just the tip, right, is another way to kind of think about it. And I think you also asked about this in your study. You asked about more shallow penetration versus deeper penetration. And if I'm remembering correctly, women were more likely to report pleasure from shallowing than deeper penetration. Is that right? Yes. And so when we talked about shallowing, we looked at sort of preferred depth. And so um, most women reported wanting a finger just barely inside or wanting a penis just barely inside. So I'm talking the distance of the tip of a finger. One quarter of our sample reported, I like up to a knuckle, for example, on a finger. And about a third of our sample reported wanting the entire finger. So even when you're speaking about being shallow, or as you said, just the tip, there's a lot of variability in what just the tip means. And it produces pleasure in a lot of different ways for a lot of different women. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the final term that you introduced is anal pairing, which sounds a little bit to me like something you might order off of a menu. Like, I think I'm going to have the anal pairing tonight. Um, <laughs> I know that's not what you meant exactly, but tell us, what, what does anal pairing mean? So anal pairing is the idea that some of these stimulation and penetration techniques can be used with other things that you might be doing at the same time. And for us, this was an important thing to include because the idea of multiple things happening in a sexual encounter is not a new idea. A lot of people do a lot of things at different times. So penetration and external clitoral stimulation, sex toy use, and oral sex a lot of these combinations of things. And so sort of assessing and understanding how anal stimulation and touch could be paired with other things. And then sort of asking people how pleasurable did you find this then gives people, I think, a way to think about how they might introduce anal stimulation and touch into their existing repertoire without necessarily feeling like they have to take on this new thing. It's just an add-on, right? This is easy we can do this. Or we might be able to do this in the middle of something we're already super comfortable doing. And that it becomes a way for people to lessen the burden or lessen the stigma or shame they might feel in terms of, you know, wanting to do it or talking to a partner about doing it. Yeah. And I have to wonder if some of the people who don't find anal stimulation to be pleasurable, maybe it's because they're not looking at it as a pairing activity where they're thinking it just has to be this or that. And it's clear from your research that a lot of women only find it to be pleasurable when it is paired with some other kind of stimulation. And I think that's also often true for men who engage in anal stimulation. Sometimes they only want anal stimulation, but sometimes they also want penile stimulation at the same time. So this also has me thinking about Debbie Herbenick's research. She published a paper a few years back looking at predictors of women's orgasms. And she actually found that women who paired more activities together in general were more likely to experience an orgasm. And so the more of those different things that you explore and experiment with at the same time or in the same sexual event, that seems to increase 
pleasure and odds of orgasm, particularly for women. Yep. And uh, thank you for bringing up Debbie's paper because it's, it's in such an important reinforcer to some of the things that we found in this paper. And first to your point about, you know, integrating these things that sexual pleasure for some women does come as a result of having more sources of stimulation during a different encounter. And so from that perspective, anal touch and stimulation just adds to that list, right? It's another option on the menu. So if this one thing isn't working for you, then maybe we can try some anal surfacing, right? Just moving right down the list. So then the ability to, no pun intended, slide that in, slot that in as an option makes people feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a common question I received from many readers and listeners over the years is just whether women enjoy anal stimulation. So in your research, you not only asked whether people have engaged in various forms of anal touch, but you also looked at how pleasurable each one was. And I know you talked a little bit about this earlier as we were going through each of those uh, different forms of anal touch. But can you tell us a little bit about just the degree to which women find anal touch to be pleasurable and whether certain types of touch tended to be more pleasurable than others? Sure. So we we asked women on a five-point scale from not at all to extremely pleasurable for sort of each type that that we assessed. And we, without getting too deep into the semantics of measurement, we generally found that between a third and a half rough estimates, women enjoyed to some extent what was going on. But again, the level of enjoyment ranged a lot, right? Some women had off the charts levels of pleasure. Some had, yeah, it was okay, moderate. And some women did not enjoy them at all. And so that means that like a lot of other sexual practices, there are some things that I might be super into and other things that I'm not super into, right? Just because it involves the same body area does not mean all of the ways that I can get to it are going to be enjoyable for me. And my experiences are gonna be totally different than this other person's, right? And again, the stage of life that I'm in. Again, I, I could go on and on about sort of the diversity of experiences, but again, the one of the primary goals of the study was to show there's a lot of different ways that people experience anal touch and stimulation, and it's okay if you want this, but not that, and it's okay if you find this one super pleasurable, but not so much this other one. Yeah. You know, I can't help but wonder if some of the people who have sent me that question over the years, like, do women really enjoy anal sex? I have to wonder if some of them just had bad experiences with it or they didn't enjoy it. And so they're wondering how could anyone possibly enjoy it? But on the other hand, you might have some women who do enjoy it who wonder how could you not enjoy it? And I think, you know, there's just a tendency for us to all assume that other people experience sex and pleasure in the same way that we do. And I love your work for showing that there's so much vast individual variability, and it's about figuring out what is right for you and your body and what feels good. Now, in your research, you found that for many women, the first time they tried anal stimulation, it wasn't pleasurable. But over time, some of them discovered that it was pleasurable. So can you tell us a little bit about some of those discovery patterns? So what are some of the ways in which anal sex or anal stimulation can be transformed from something that isn't pleasurable into something that is? So how could women possibly enjoy this or how could women possibly not enjoy that? And you know, the, the lowest common denominator of both of those lines of questioning is communication, 
And the most important thing that we found for women who enjoyed this was my partner approached it in a way that was accessible to me. And it, this is not rocket science, right? If you were to say, my partner approached me about something new that wasn't related to anal touch and stimulation, and I was comfortable after that conversation, you would say, yes, hallelujah, congratulations. But again, with something that's a little bit harder for people to get in touch with, that element of communication becomes so much more important in terms of discussing levels of comfort and boundaries and how far will we take this and, and, and all of those discussions that I think represent barriers to people who haven't been able to understand why some women might like anal touch and stimulation and penetration or might get in the way of women actually being able to pull the trigger and try some of these things. Yeah. And communication absolutely is key. And I know you said it isn't rocket science, but I think in some ways it kind of is. Like, you know, it's not rocket science in the sense that, yeah, it's pretty obvious we need to communicate more to experience pleasure, but people just can't seem to figure out the sexual communication piece. You know, it is kind of like rocket science for a lot of couples and people in relationships because they haven't been taught how do you have these conversations with your partner and talk about what it is that feels good to me and what are my sexual needs? What are your sexual needs? How are we going to make sure everybody's needs are being met? It's something that goes back to why we need sex education that really focuses on building up sexual communication skills because it's just so lacking and it's at the root of so many sexual problems that people have. I fully agree. You know, again, as a sexual health scientist, I am always talking to people about words. How do you use basic words to get past the discomfort? I think particularly in this country, in the United States, we are so in the, the dark ages and medieval times about how we approach something that is literally a universal human experience. I had a conversation with a neighbor of mine whose daughter is going through puberty and she has her first boyfriend. And she said, what do I need to tell her? I haven't had a conversation about this yet. And I, and I said, well, here are the, you know, the basic things that you want to talk about. And you need to talk about sexual pleasure and whether she's enjoying these things or not. And it's you know, as you noted, many things are absent from sex ed, but our ability to describe what we want, to negotiate what we want, and more importantly, to say no to what we don't want is an important thing that I hope research like this will then help to sort of re-script how that education is delivered in schools. Yeah, absolutely. And just one thing to add on to the previous question where we were talking about different pathways of discovery. I think one of the other things I remember reading in your paper is that for some women, the discovery was that just at a different stage in life, a different point in time, it transformed and became pleasurable, such as I think following pregnancy or following menopause. And I think that speaks to the fact that sometimes your body changes as you age and different things that were previously unpleasurable can become pleasurable, things that were previously pleasurable can become unpleasurable. And so, you know, that sort of highlights the need for lifelong continuing education when it comes to sex, because our bodies are always changing. And what we needed to know when we were a teenager or in our 20s might be very different from what we need to know in our 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond. 100%. Um, I think the other thing that a study like this does or, you know, any a study that gets a large amount of people together who represent different ages is just the reinforcement that 
sexuality exists across the lifespan. And as we change as human beings, you know, our, our body changes. I look very differently after having had two kids. And that's okay, right? But when the machinery changes, the way that we care for the machinery also has to change. And I, I think we don't do a very good job socially of talking about those changes, particularly when things fall out of being something that we like or there's something new that we want to do, particularly in middle age and beyond where sexuality is largely viewed to be sort of this background thing that doesn't happen. Right. And, you know, it's funny in, in the sense that it's kind of ironic that people in, you know, midlife, we don't talk as much about their sexuality. People don't like to think about the idea of their parents having sex, for example. But people at that stage of life, according to my research on sexual fantasies, are actually kind of the kinkiest and the most sexually adventuresome. They're exploring more new and, and different things. And so, yeah, just a, another reason why it's important to study sexuality throughout the lifespan. Now, based on your research and your knowledge as a physician, what can you tell us about some of the just general do's and don'ts of anal sex? So can you give us any tips on increasing pleasure when engaging in this activity? For sure. So the first thing is lube, 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 and more lube. And I think we we tend to think of lube as something that's only used for deep, deep penetration. Um, but lube is really important even when you're just talking about exploration on the surface, right? So for people that are interested but haven't necessarily had any experience, one thing that a person could do is maybe just do a little bit of self-exploration. Understand your own topography, right? Understand when you're by yourself and can say, ooh, yep, nope, not that, but oh, yes, that is definitely something that I like, right? A well-lubricated sex toy, penis, fingers, can be great tools to sort of dip a toe into this pool of exploration, right? And I, we, we don't talk about lube enough in terms of those sort of lighter and earlier stage behaviors, but lube is, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, lube, lube is your friend, use it whenever possible. But certainly when you're talking about a set of delicate tissues like the anus, right? It increases comfort. It increases, you know, your ability to, to shallow, to penetrate and glide over surfaces in a way that's uh, super pleasurable. In terms of our communication, right? So if this is something that you're, you're interested in, again, the idea that communication and, and setting boundaries with your partner becomes sort of the next level of comfort and safety for a lot of people and, and being able to say yes to this, but no to that. And in the context of in the heat of the moment, if you decide, uh, we talked about this, but I'm not super into it right now, being able to say, if I push your hand away, it means I don't want to do this right now. Or I'm going to reserve the right to want to go further, maybe, than we talked about. And if I pull your finger towards my anus, it means I want you to penetrate or shallow instead of surfacing. The nonverbal communication or signals can be an important way for people to express what they want, particularly when they have a discomfort about talking about things they want in the heat of the moment and or talking about specific words like anal sex or anus. Yeah, so communication. For people who want to get started, 
in addition to sort of exploring your yourself, a great way is to have a partner's chart slow and easy, just very, very gentle touch. And it can help a person relax and be, I think, less tense about sort of their, their first times. You know, but it's also in terms of infection prevention and basic hygiene, we also want to make sure that we wash fingers, we wash hands, uh, we change condoms. If that's something that we're going to use, we sanitize our sex toys before they move from anything in the anal region to anything involving the vaginal region. So as you would make a switch in a sexual scenario, the same thing needs to happen in terms of, you know, cleanup and, and sanitation for anal touch, penetration, and stimulation as well. Yes, a lot of great tips there. Lubrication, communication, self-exploration, taking things slowly, practicing safe sex, and also expanding your definition of what anal touch, anal stimulation can be, right? So it's not just following the porn model of what, you know, that doesn't work for most people, right? The idea that you just kind of like stick it in and go and hard, fast, deep. And we've talked many times on this show about how porn is entertainment. It's not education, especially when it comes to something like anal sex. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Devin. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work or maybe read more about some of this research we've been discussing? Absolutely. If you search for my name in Indiana University School of Medicine, you will uh, come across my faculty page where I have listed a number of the studies that I've recently done in sexual health, including the one we've talked about today. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. And I will be sure to include a link to it in the show notes. Thank you so much again for being here, and thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm most active on Instagram, at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>